Welcome to The Workman's Table, a podcast all about learning and understanding biblical truths with the Great Shepherd's guidance. Here's your host, Eric Carpenter. Hello, welcome once again to another episode of The Workman's Table podcast. I hope this uh, year finds you well. I know 2020 was uh, a year not to be forgotten uh, soon, and hopefully 2021 has been much better for you amidst all this nonsense that's occurring in this world. Uh, We are now returning for season two. I hope you enjoyed season one. Again, if you have questions or topics that you would like to discuss and uh, questions and topic um, discussion points uh, to the Workman's Table uh, podcast email address, it's at the Workman's Table at Hotmail.com. Once again, that's the Workman's Table at Hotmail.com. Today's um, episode is going to focus on object or an object lesson uh, from Yahuwah. And a lot of times, you know, Yahushua, when he was speaking with his disciples or when he was speaking to the people, he would use parables. And it were, they were object lessons in and of themselves. But a lot of times we don't realize that he was already using object lessons to his people uh, even in the, under the Old Covenant in the Old Testament. And one example that if you actually take a look at the scriptures, you can see an object lesson coming into play when Yahuwah is delivering his people out of the land of Egypt and right before they're crossing uh, the Red Sea. You'll see if you read those scriptures, and it's in Exodus chapter 14, that he's actually teaching them as he is leading them and saving and delivering them out of turmoil and trouble and, in, you know, obviously to lead them further on to the promised land. So if you go to Exodus chapter 14, we're going to take a look at a couple of object lessons all within the same chapter, and there are parallels to the uh, scriptures in Exodus 14. Um, when he's teaching a certain lesson, it, it's referenced also in other portions of his scripture. So not only does he tell you Uh, what he wants you to do, he'll also show you what needs to be done and how it's to be done. You know, he obviously is is an Elohim of faithfulness, and he gives us the means to obey him and and to follow him. He doesn't just um, tell us what to do and then not give us uh, an idea of how to do it. Um, He's very uh, concerned and very aware of wanting to equip us and to instruct us to follow him and to be obedient to him. So if you go to Exodus uh, chapter 14, uh, you'll see uh, kind of what uh, I'm trying to, to convey here in this object lesson uh, episode. So if you go to um, Exodus 14 and you start with uh, verses 2 and 3, um He's saying right here, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pi-Hahirath, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal-Zephon. You shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Now, oftentimes you'll see in, in scripture and sometimes even in your own life, it's as if the father allows us to be caught between the proverbial rock and the hard place uh, or an impossible situation 
in order for him to step in and take control of the situation and to save us. And he's done that, you know, throughout Scripture, you know, not just in this situation. Um, you look at um, uh, s- several scenarios in Scripture um, where it took Yahuwah's mighty hand to deliver a, a person in a, in a certain situation out of, you know, possible death, uh, starvation, um, all kinds of things. And one example that comes readily to mind is the widow that was visited by the prophet Elijah. And she was going to fix her last meal for her and her son. And she says, after this meal, we're going to die because die because there was a great famine in the land. And of course, Yahuwah intervened. And as long as, as um, Elijah was staying at that widow's home, the oil and the flour never ran out all through the famine. Uh, Naaman is another example. He had leprosy all over his body, and he went to go see Elijah. And Elijah instructed him, go dip in the river seven times. And, of course, it didn't make sense to Naaman, and he was about to walk off, and his own servant had to say, look, you know, we've come all this way. He's a man of Elohim. we got to listen to him. And, of course, Naaman, it appears begrudgingly, went down in the river and, and dipped seven times. So... Also, when Yahushua fed the 5,000, I mean, they had been there for a while. They were hungry, and Yahushua didn't want them to go home without being fed, for they were tired and weary. And so they only had um, uh, five loaves and two fish. So what does he do? He blesses it. There was an impossible situation. There was just a little tiny amount of food, and he, and he prays to the Father. The food is blessed, and then there's enough, not only for the people, but there's 12 basketfuls left over after it's done. So in this situation, he brings the Israelites in Exodus 14, he brings the Israelites up out of Egypt and he places them to where they are surrounded on all sides. They've got the Red Sea ahead of them. They've got the hills and mountains on another side of them. And they got the Egyptian army on another side of them. So they're completely trapped. So they're in an impossible situation. Now, obviously, as you can see, as you read in Scripture, Yahuwah specializes in intervening into the impossible. Because this also says in his word in the New, New Testament, you've heard this Scripture before where Yahushua said, with Elohim, all things are possible. Okay, so when we think it's impossible, he knows it's possible because he can handle it. So that's where they're at in Exodus uh, 14, 2 through 3. They're about to cross the Red Sea. Now, if you go down to the verse 18... Before he begins to part the Red Sea and show him this miracle, he's going to let him know. He said, listen here. In verse 18, he says, Then the Egyptians shall know that I am Yahuwah, when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And where is that also stated in a, in a uh, similar manner? If you go to Malachi chapter 1 and verse 14, it says this, but we're going to focus on the last portion of Malachi 1.14, but I'll read the whole verse. Uh, it says, but, be cursed, but cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to Yahuwah what is blemished. And here's the, the portion I want you to focus on. For I am a great king, says Yahuwah Shevaot, or Yahuwah of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. Hmm. So right at the beginning there, when he's about to take them across the Red Sea, he tells them, 
The Egyptians will know I am Yahuwah when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Now, you got to understand, at that time, in the then-known world, the Egyptians were the most powerful nation on the, in the world. Egypt was the most powerful nation in the world. The Pharaoh was the top boss on earth. And so Yahuwah is going to ensure that his name is going to be respected and he's going to receive honor. So there is an object lesson right there. Before I begin all this, he's telling his people, I'm going to receive honor and Pharaoh is going to know I am Yahuwah. And you're also, as my children, going to know I am Yahuwah. I am the great king, as he says in Malachi 1.14. So, but here's the real, and there's two more uh, uh, vivid object lessons um, as they're crossing the Red Sea. So if you go down to Exodus 14.21, uh, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and Yahuwah caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, and the waters were a wall on them the right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went, into them, went then, after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. Okay, so... Oftentimes, well, of course, if you've seen the, the, the old movie with uh, Charlton Heston, The Ten Commandments, um, when he's holding out his hand over the Red Sea, it's daytime. Uh, unfortunately, they should have um, been more accurate with that depiction uh, of the Ten Commandments uh, and shown that Moses stood over the Red Sea at the edge of the Red Sea with his staff that stretched out and it was at nighttime, because if you read 21 again, it says, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and Yahuwah caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. So, an interesting parallel kind of exists uh, with this object lesson here. Uh, and there's parallels that exist in Scripture. And the parallel is this, that Yahuwah will begin his work in the evening, okay, and then he concludes his work in the morning. Okay, so we've often uh, misunderstood the fact that um, a day begins in the morning and ends in the evening. Or simply put, that oftentimes we believe the day begins at midnight, 12 a.m., and then it ends at 11.59 p.m. The, the following night. Well, if you go and take a look in uh, Genesis chapter 1, if you really, it covers the, the, the account of creation is 5 through 31, okay? And I'll read a couple of verses just so you get the, the pattern, the method that Yahuwah followed, you know, with the account of creation. It said, Elohim, in, in verse uh, 5 of Genesis chapter 1, Elohim called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Then Elohim said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus Elohim made the firmament, and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And Elohim called the firmament heaven. So the evening and the morning were the second day. And so you can go, you just you see as he goes through the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth, so on and so forth, it says the evening and the morning were the third day, the evening and the morning were the fourth day, etc., etc., so he begins his work in the evening at the beginning of the day and 
ends his work in the morning at the end of the day. Totally opposite of what we've been programmed to believe or think. And I believe Satan has been instrumental in deviating from the pattern that Yahuwah sets up. Because he's got us thinking a day begins in darkness and ends in darkness. No, no, no. According, and if you read scripture, a day with Yahuwah begins with light and it ends with light. And I remember when he, the Holy Spirit was basically kind of teaching me this. Uh, it's been probably about a year and a half ago. Um, I got to thinking, I'm like, well, Father, why does your day begin in the morning and or be, begin in the evening and end in the morning? And he immediately brought me to uh, Revelation 22, uh, 13. And it says this right here. And I knew what the scripture was, was referencing when, when I looked it up. And he says in Revelation twenty two thirteen, he says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And of course, in Hebrew, it's I am the Aleph and the Tav. So he says, I am the beginning and the end, the first and the last. So that's the parallel that exists, that Yahushua um, also, in Matthew 27, 51, and Matthew 28, 1, Yahushua dies in the evening on the first day, and he rises on the morning on the third day, therefore completing the work of his death and resurrection. See the method? See the object lesson here? He was teaching it to his children when they were about to cross the Red Sea, Moses outstretches his arm out, holds the staff out there, and all through the night, a strong east wind divides the waters. The account of creation in the book of Genesis, okay, the evening and the morning were the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth day, okay? And then, of course, Yahushua dies in the evening on the first day and rises in the morning on the third day. You can also look at Lamentations uh, chapter 3, uh, verse 22 and 23 as another parallel to this object lesson about uh, evening uh, beginning the day and morning beginning or ending the day and his work uh, flowing in that manner. But if you go to uh, 22 and 23 of Lamentations chapter 3, it says that um, though Yahuwah's mercies, through Yahuwah's mercies, I should say, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Isn't it nice to know that a morning is the end of a day and it's a time of, of re renewal or refreshment? It's the end. It's complete. So a totally contrary to what Satan would have us to believe. So, the, you know, the first uh, lesson then... Uh, is that he guides them into an area where they're totally surrounded and only he can get them out. Then his name is to be honored and feared. The third one is, I complete and begin my work in the evening and it ends in the morning. And then the final object lesson, which is probably the most um, uh, tangible, something they could really grasp and see. It's visible, okay? Uh, if you go to, down to Exodus 14 and go to look at verse 29 it says but the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and on their left now those familiar with scripture should this should kind of 
uh, ring a bell in your mind and go, hmm, where have we heard this, the, the phrase right or to the left uttered before? Well, let's go look. There are some parallels. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 32, let's read it. And it says, this is right, you know, as, as Yahuwah is giving the law of Moses to the people. And Moses is speaking on, uh, you know, to the people, the instructions that Yahuwah has gave him, given him. But Yahuwah says to them, he says, look, therefore you shall be careful to do as Yahuwah, your Elohim, has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. And then if you go to uh, Ezekiel chapter 46 and verse 9, there was another parallel, another object lesson when he implemented the feasts, when they were to go to Jerusalem and observe the feasts, he was reinforcing not turning to the left or to the right, but straight is the way, when he says in uh, Ezekiel 46, 9, but when the people of the land come before Yahuwah on the appointed feast days, whoever enters by way of the north gate to worship shall go out by way of the south gate. And whoever enters by the way of the south gate shall go out by the way of the north gate. He shall not return by way of the gate through which he came, but shall go out through the opposite gate. The exact opposite. See that right there? They could not go back out the same gate they came in. It had to be the exact opposite of the gate they came in. A straight line. Indicating not turning to the left or to the right. An object lesson. If you also look at um, Matthew seven fourteen, um, and you take a look at it, Yahushua was t saying, "This is most have heard this statement right here." He says, "Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it." Another portion of scripture elsewhere it says, "Broad is uh, the way that leads to destruction." Okay, so there's many ways to destruction. You can go this way, you can go that way, you can go left, you can go right, you can you know go up, you can go down, you can go every which way but straight, because straight is the way that leads to life, and it's a narrow gate, which means you can't be turning to the left or the right. It's a narrow path, it's straight. Okay, and when you read what Psalm one nineteen eleven one eleven says. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That light helps you go straight. His word keeps you going straight. Straight is the way that leads to life. His way is the only way. So you look at these, these scriptures uh, also that, that deal with talking about uh, not turning to the left or the right. You can also go to Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, and you can also read Proverbs 4, 25 through 27, which again, you know, repeats the phrase, do not turn to the left or to the right. Remove your foot from, remove your foot from evil. That's what it says in Proverbs uh, specifically. So there's four lessons right there to be taking, to be taken just from Exodus chapter 14, when the Israelites are being delivered out of the land of Egypt and into the promised land. So you see the first one. Yahuwah guides them to an area where they cannot get out. It's impossible for them, but he makes it possible because he's the king. He puts them in an impossible situation between the rock and the hard place. The second object lesson is that his name is to be feared. So he tells them, I'm going to receive honor. And later on, you know, you see a parallel in Malachi 1.14. My name 
is to be feared among the nations. I'm a great king. And then Yehua uh, divides the waters for the Red Sea. He does it through the night, indicating that he started his work in the evening and it ended in the morning. Okay? And you've got the other scriptures in there that talk about evening and the morning being the first day, second day, so on and so forth. And then, of course, the most tangible, visible object lesson is when they're walking through the Red Sea, they can't turn to the left or the right, or else they're going to run into a, water of, uh, a wall of water, and they'll die. So they're seeing that. Water on each side. High walls of water. And so that was the object lesson that he was also just it was almost as like they were little i mean of course he says in his word that we are like grasshoppers to him because we're tiny we're small so he entreats us a lot of times as little children okay and so he was giving them an object lesson right from the get-go and then he backs it up with his statements and his words so not only did he tell them he would show them so just amazing that you know sometimes you can pull little things out of scripture and, and you don't you know, if you read these things, sometimes you can gloss right over it and not see that the object lessons are there uh, for us to learn and to grow in our faith um, as he leads us in life as our great shepherd. So, again, it was uh, a pleasure to just bring a, a quick object lesson, um, you know, out of Exodus 14. And I hope it uh, encourages you. And, you know, maybe you can find an object lesson uh elsewhere in scripture and, and, and uh, you know share it with the, this podcast here uh, email it once again uh, at the workman's table at hotmail.com so until next time study to show thyself approved Thanks for joining us today for this episode of The Workman's Table.